Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I am Lynn Whitesides, and you are listening to Gospel Tangents. It's the best source for Mormon history, science, and theology, and first daily Mormon history podcast. I'm Rick Bennett. I'm excited to have Lynn Whitesides on the show. She was the first person to be punished for her writings and speeches at Sunstone back in 1993 as a member of the September 6th. We'll talk more about her recollections of that event, where she is now spiritually, and and more about her life and the, the events around it. So you won't want to miss this conversation. Check it out. Welcome to Gospel Tangents. <laughs> I'm so excited to have one of the original members of the September 6th. Could you go ahead and tell us who you are and where we are? I am Lynn Whitesides, and I was the first of the September 6th. Okay. And uh, we are at the university, the, the Utah Valley University in, in Provo. Right. Are Orm, we in Provo? Actually. We're in Orm. We're in Orm. Yeah, we're in Orm. Yeah, we're yeah. in Orm. Yeah. So. Well, very good. I've uh, I've been doing this podcast for eight years now, and uh, this is our first time talking. So yeah. you're hard to track down. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Well, thanks. Well, as we look back on this, um, can you talk about the events? I don't know how far back it goes. Does it go back to the 80s, or was it just really concentrated in the early 90s that led you into trouble with uh, church authorities? Well, I can go back a little farther, even in my own... <laughs> with okay. my own uh, but I don't know that we want to go there. I'll start from when I, um, I moved from Chicago to Salt Lake City. Okay. And when I did that, uh, my friend Lori Stromberg, um, and do you know Lori? A little bit. Yeah. Lori said, why We're don't Facebook you... Facebook friends. Are you? Okay. <laughs> she said, why don't you volunteer for Sunstone? And, um, and I had three little kids, and my husband was doing his residency, and he had gotten his residency here in Salt Lake. And I, so I went down and I volunteered to just be one of the people who helps at Sunstone. And at the end of that symposium, so that was 84 or something like that. Okay. Um, then I think Marty Bradley had a talk with Albert Peck and said, we, might as, you know, we think Lynn should be the new chair of the, the symposium. Oh. So they invited me to be the chair of the symposium for the next year, which I did from, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I did it for four years. So whatever the four years oh, were. Oh, you were the leader of Sunstone? No, I was the chair of the symposium. Okay. Albert was the editor, and Daniel Rector was the publisher, and um, and and then there are like Marty Marty um, at the time her name was Marty Esplin, her name is Marty Ashby now. She was an editor. There were just a it was a, a really cool crew okay. that worked there. Connie Disney. So this was after Peggy Fletcher Stack. Yes, and what, just right after when Albert took over. Okay. Yeah, and um, and we it was so much fun working with Albert and Daniel. Uh, to because I had no idea how to pull a, sun, a symposium together, okay. but um, they Albert in particular was so gracious and helpful and just kind of showed me the ropes. And by the time I was done four years, I could run a symposium, so it oh, was wow. kind of great. Yeah. Well, it sounds like because Sunstone, and correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like it used to be a magazine, and it seems like Peggy was trying to get people to write for the magazine and she started the symposium and now the symposium is like 
the whole thing. Like, yeah, there's not that many people that read the magazine anymore. Right? Well, see, I don't even know. I don't. I don't. I don't follow the magazine anymore at all. I mean, the only, yeah. the only I'm, I haven't been to the symposium for years since, since ten years after, and then this year because <laughs> I haven't been invited to speak. But um, no, but those four years were really kind of heady because. Peggy was, that's what she was trying to do. And we were getting a lot of professors from BYU and the University of Utah, but also just all kinds of really interesting people. Mark Hoffman would have been one of those people. Uh, yeah, that was the year before okay. I took it over. Okay. And um, so that was the year, like he had made a big discovery that he announced at Sunstone, wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was either two or one year before because Steve Christensen was. Uh, was was uh, kind of part of Sunstone at the time too, right. and and I had just kind of met Steve, okay. and then all that stuff happened with with Hoffman. So yeah, well, Steve was, was killed in eighty seven, yes. I believe, right? Right. So and and by eighty seven, I was doing the symposium. Okay. I was chairing the symposium. Eighty seven, eight, eighty nine. So four years. Oh, so you, yeah. did you know Steve pretty well? No, I I was just getting to know him a little bit, and oh, then okay. that happened. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's yeah. such a terrible thing. Yeah. So you didn't really know Mark Hoffman either? No, not at all. I mean, I probably went to his talk or something, but we were, I was, I was, uh, I had lived lived in Salt Lake. Then I moved to Mexico for two years because my husband did two years of med school in Guadalajara. Then went to Chicago for two years. And I, not that you, I mean, I'd gone to Sunstone a bunch before then, and then didn't during those four years, and that's when all that was going on. Okay. And then moved from Chicago to Salt Lake City, and that's when all I became, I, I started working for them. So okay. you see, I was kind of in and out. Okay, yeah. okay. And so you led Sunstone uh, from like '85 to '89 or so. Yeah, something like right? that. I wish I knew. I should. I should have checked before I got okay. here. But but yeah, I didn't lead Sunstone, but I chaired the the symposium. Okay. Yeah. So, because you you were the Lindsay Hanson Park of the day then, right? I I, I think I think so. So, <laughs> but um, but you know, it was it was working. We you know just working so closely with Albert and Dan was super. I mean, it was the th they had so much input because they Dan you know Rector. Dan knew Dan no Dan Rector. Oh, Dan Rector. Dan Rector knew a lot of people because of his dad. Okay. Like Hartman. Hartman Rector. So okay. yeah, so he was the publisher at the time. And he was a former general authority. Yeah. Well, Hart he was Hartman, at, Hartman was. was at the time. Oh, at the time. Yeah. And then Dan, so you know, Dan knew a lot of he knew Paul Dunn. He he actually knew what was going on with Paul Dunn and confronted Paul Dunn. Oh. And the, which was an interesting story well, if you want to hear it. We into the Paul Dunn Yeah, story. we don't need this to, but... Really, we can do tangents here. Okay, but we can. I mean... Give a little taste of what of Paul Dunn. I, I really want to get Lynn Packer because he's written a book on Paul Dunn. Oh, okay. So what happened, I think Lynn was part of this. I don't, I, I, I don't know if I've ever... I've, I don't know if I... How much I knew Lynn, but I knew of, of him because we were doing all this stuff. So... We had begun to understand, Daniel in particular, that a lot of the stories Paul Dunn was telling were not true. And Paul Dunn was a former general yeah, authority. Yeah, he was a general authority, and he was sort of the folksy general authority that everybody loved. Every, wonderful speaker. Great stories. Talked about being in a foxhole and holding his best friend while he died. So, And he was a minor league baseball player. And he player. was a minor league baseball player. So uh, we found out the name of his best friend who died. Daniel found him and said, uh, do you know Paul Dunn? And he said, yes. And he said, were you in a foxhole with him? And he said, that never happened. Oh. So Dan... And you're still alive. Yeah, you're still alive. And I remember the story, if I can remember correctly, Dan 
was at the church office building and was in an elevator with Paul Dunn and said to Paul, look, we know this is going on. Paul was doing a lot of business bad stuff too. But he, he said, we know this is happening. And Paul Dunn basically said, well, I was just like, it was, wasn't an actual story. It was kind of a metaphor kind of thing. And Dan was like, yeah, I don't think so. So all of that was going on. I mean, it was a kind of interesting time, you know, the, with Hoffman and then Packer and, I mean, um, Dunn and then, you know, Packer being so angry and mean and going after anybody that didn't agree Boyd with him. Packer. Yeah, Boyd, Boyd, yeah. I think Lynn Packer and Boyd, Lynn, Boyd is Lynn's uncle, I believe. I think so, too, yeah, yeah. yeah. So all that was going on, and, um, and so, and I remember Dan get, trying to give Paul a chance Paul Dunn, look, why don't you come clean, and then we won't have to do this. But he didn't. And then I think, I can't remember who broke the story. It might have been Sunstone, uh, but it was so long ago. Like, it was probably Lynn Packer. Well, but they, he was talking to us, and I, something um, there was some kind of connection, and okay. it came out. But, you know, Dan but, tried to give Paul an opportunity. Yeah, to yeah. come clean. Yeah. But, yeah. And then they made him emeritus instead of doing anything else. So, you know, it's like we <laughs> They did. retired him. Yeah, retired him. You lie. <laughs> go away. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, you had you had quite the experiences there with Sunstone. Oh, it was really it was really fun and exciting and loved going to work. It was really great. Yeah. Wow. Was that like a full time job for you? You then? know, it was it it was full time really in the summer, but there was a lot of work before, you know, preparation, getting papers, sending out the call, deciding which papers we wanted to do, and then like doing all the stuff. Because at that time, we had maybe a thousand people coming, and we had like several hundred concurrent sessions. I mean, it was a really interesting time because everyone wanted to be part of it, right? right. And then we would always bring in some sort of big name outside of Mormonism, religious scholar. That was those were fun too. Like we brought in some really great guys and women, and it was fun uh, to meet them and hang out with them, and you know, just so. Well, they yeah. still do that, too, today. Yeah, they do, but at, at the time, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what they do today, but at the time, that was part of the real fun for me, was meeting some some of those people, you know. So, Can you think of any big names? Well, you were Cousins was one. I don't know if you know who he is. And then, I, you know, I'm getting old. I can't remember his name. He is, um, he's a big Jungian guy now. Thomas. I have to think about it. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, so... I mean, there was. We tried to get Elaine Pagels. I remember that I actually talked to oh, her. Oh, I would love. But Elaine she Pagels. she had had some kind of tragedy in her life, and we couldn't get her. Um, but they, we've had the. I I'd have to go back and look, but we had pretty wonderful scholars yeah. coming and chatting, and then we'd go out to dinner. Anne and Barry Yulinov, who were very big Jungian, they were authors out of the New York Theological Jungian School, like stuff like that, which okay. was up right up my alley, yeah. stuff I was really interested John in. John Dominic Croissant was there just a couple years oh, ago. Oh, really? You know John? No, I just know the name, yeah. Yeah, so, he's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it was fun because I got to choo- I, got, I got to help choose. Yeah. You know, this is what I'm interested in. Let's get these people right. So, yeah. It very was great. Cool, very cool. Yeah, I didn't realize you were the head of Sunstone. That's, the you keep symposium. saying that, but just the symposium. <laughs> the symposium. I don't <laughs> want that out there that I was... The symposium yeah. is everything. Now, but, but, like. but really, I chaired it. But uh, to be really clear, Albert and Dan were... We were just always in right. meetings together and figuring out things together. But I got to like bring in a lot of women's study stuff at the time. You know, so there, I, when I started uh, chairing it, 
I was also really understanding feminism and that sort of thing. So I was bringing in people talking about feminism, at least almost every concurrent session, there was a session on women. There was also a session on, on uh, being gay in Mormonism and oftentimes uh, sessions about the temple. So that stuff started coming in. It became really fun, but kind of controversial. Well, and the temple stuff led to a statement against symposia. Was that during your tenure or right after? Um, right, it was during, like, but by, well, so right after we, I can't remember if it was when we got kicked out or right before, but right around then, then they put out a statement that people at BYU couldn't speak at the symposium anymore. Okay. Yeah, they, you know, and because all the, because of Packer, because Packer wrote that, Boyd gave Packer. that talk, Boyd, yeah. He gave that, that talk that said that there were three evils facing the church, feminists, intellectuals, and homosexuals. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the reason that was, the, for me, for him, the last straw, because I was on television, and they asked me what I thought about that. And I said, well, if Boyd would get a relationship with Jesus Christ, we might get a Christ-like talk out of him. And then the next day, I got a letter oh. for my court. Yeah, yeah. For your court. Yeah, I was on Chris Van Oker's Sunday morning show or something. So, so this is uh, 1993. Mm-hmm. 1993. And so was it August, September when you got that letter? I got the letter in August, like because it was during the symposium that I gave that talk, okay. that I gave that interview. And um, because I was also the, the, the president of Mormon Women's Forum at the time, which was the, women, the feminist group in town, right? Mm -hmm. So I was doing that, and I was also the chair of the B.H. Roberts Society. So I was kind of doing all three of those at the time. But so that's why I was invited to go on that, to get on that talk show. And so the uh, the key issue was the interview. It wasn't. Well, there was probably or? more than that because I had done. I'd begun speaking okay. and saying how I felt, um, and I'd been. We'd been in the LA Times, and I did a I did a thing with Margaret Toscano and Marty Ashby, but at the time she was Marty Esplin. Um, I think it was just the three of us. We did a performance piece where I kind of at the end, because um, uh, Gordon Hinckley had said that we don't pray to a mother in heaven, that he'd written a letter, hey, Virginia, we don't pray to a mother in heaven. And I had said at the end that he needed to understand that he wasn't, that answers to prayers were not given by a man behind a pulpit and that he wasn't more powerful than the God that made him and that if we were praying to a female deity, it was because we felt drawn to do that and that he had to understand that. And that kind of made him a little irritated too. <laughs> so, because well, uh, so I was just talking with Janice Allred, yeah, and uh, um, she had said that uh, Gordon Hinckley had kind of come after her because of well, she'd given a talk also, yeah. about um, the prophet can't lead the church astray, and she disagreed with that. Yeah, idea. they don't like that. <laughs> so, well, and Margaret Toscano, it seems like Boyd K. Packer was very involved with her excommunication. Well, oh, yeah. You know, and so do you know who was involved in yours? Oh, Packer. Here's what happened after. So do you want to hear what led up to it? Yeah. So I was, um, uh, the whole story is really kind of interesting. So I wasn't feeling really comfortable in my ward um, at, at this point. Um, and so I had Just because you were outspoken. Yeah, on that, that was going on, and I was tr trying to understand some things. And I, I, I was, you know, I, I was, I'm a convert. I joined the church when I was 18. Oh. And so I didn't, I just 
didn't know the culture, first of all. So when I went to BYU in the 70s, it was like 1970. That was a weird thing, anyway, because I realized it was actually 1950 in Provo. It was a strange experience. <laughs> but so I didn't know the culture, and I didn't under, I, I just didn't know the rules in a lot of ways. They just aren't my rules from growing up, and I'm Italian, and that makes a difference. Okay. One time, Paul Toscano said, Yeah, they don't like anyone who's got vowels in their last name. The last letter of their name is a vowel, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, so I had um, my home teachers had come to see me, and I told them, You know, I just don't feel like going to church anymore. And, so about a week later, I got a, a call from my bishop that he wanted me to come and see him. And I thought, isn't that great? Look, that's, it's working like my home teachers went, and he now wants me to come. And so I was actually, I was taking some classes up at the U, and I, um, I, can't, I left the class early, and I went down. And then he and the counselors were there, and they were in their suits. And I thought, wow. I, honest to God, I was like, this is so great. So I sit down, and they say, uh, this was this is what he said. Elder Lauren C. Dunn has asked us to call you in to see if we need to take some ecclesiastical action. This and, is at BYU. No, this is at up here in Salt Lake okay. in 1993, right? 1993. Like the May in May of 1993. Okay. And I started. I couldn't. I just started laughing, and I, I was just like, "You guys, you got to give me a minute." I thought you called me in here because you cared about me. And so, then something switched. They all kind of were like. Like, oh, and so we had this lovely conversation. It was really lovely, and they said, I remember the bishop saying, I'm going to tell Elder Dunn that you're, you're fine, you're, you're a lovely person, and so that happened. Oh. And, and so then, what, then in September, I mean in August when I did that talk, I went and, and, and called him Boyd and said what I felt about that, you, you know, if he would have a relationship with Jesus, we might have a Christ-like talk out of him. I got that letter. So when I was, when my church happened, my court happened, um, I was the first and I was disfellowshipped. And two weeks later, the um, first and second counselor's wives came over to me and said, we need to tell you something. They, those guys, the bishop and his counselors, were getting so much pressure from Packer to excommunicate you and they couldn't because they liked you too much. And that is why you were disfellowshipped. They were, they actually were told to excommunicate you. So it was an interesting experience mm. for me. Um, and I was like, so Packer and Dunn were sort of in, they were, they were doing stuff together. And they just were after anyone that they didn't feel like, I don't know, understood obedience <laughs> or authority or something. Yeah. Okay. And so, so Lauren Dunn and Boyd Packer were deeply involved. Um, and then you were the first. Um, okay, so did that affect your church attendance? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. Because the interesting thing is I've talked to Janice Allred and, and, and yeah. I know Levina yeah. Anderson for 30 years have continued to go to church every week. Not, not so with Margaret and Paul. No. no. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think you go to church no. So tell us more about I'll that. tell you a little bit about that. So um, so I was just I was just disfellowshipped, right? Yeah. And um and I got a letter from them saying from the stake president or the bishop or something saying, um, this is these were the things that I had to do to get back in the church. I could I, I couldn't speak in church, I couldn't I I can't I couldn't teach, I, I I could wear my garments, I could pay tithing, 
but I had to be really quiet. And there, and I couldn't speak ill of the Lord's anointed, that kind of thing, right? Okay. But they had and it said they had followed the handbook, which is really interesting because the handbook said at the time that if you're going to do this, if you're going to take a church action, you have to meet with these someone a few times before. So I wrote back and said, you guys didn't follow the handbook, first of all. And I get a letter back and saying, well, actually, the bishop did. He met with you two times, one that one in May, and the other was at my church court. So I thought that was really interesting. Sure. So they wrote me this letter, and I wrote them back and said, just so you know, I have absolutely no intention of following your admonitions. I'm not going to stop speaking out. I'm not going to. You know, I'm not going to do so that. So they didn't want you to not just speak at church, but to speak at Sunstone. Yeah, or yeah, like yeah. That. that would have been the, the thing. And I was like, nah, that's not my way. So I just kind of started doing something else, which is what I talked about in that talk that I gave. I don't know, but that's what I said. You know, they told me to go find something else to do, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you continued to speak out. Because I know Janice... They put her on probation, and she said it was, even though it was probation, it was the same as disfellowship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they went after her about a year later, but they've never gone after you. No. Why, why do you think that is? Well, partly because I le- when I left, I didn't, I mean, I was like, you guys, go do your thing. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I really went down a different path. Okay. I wrote them a letter. I wrote them a letter two years after. To, to the, I sent it to the whoever was the president of the church at the time. And I, it was a letter of apology, actually, just saying, I'm really, I just wanted to apologize to you because uh, I had read a book and it had said, you know, when there's been a lot of energy around, you might want to clean it up. So, like, and this had seemed like a bigger thing than I thought it was going to be when we were, when September 6th got really big in a way that I did not expect. So I wrote him a letter and I just said, um, uh, I am so sorry because I was so angry you couldn't have heard what I was saying. So please forgive me for that. And also, please forgive me because I was asking you to give me something that I already had, which is power as a woman. So please forgive me. So I sent that letter, and then they sent a letter back saying, come back to the church. And and I just thought, yeah, right. Um, and then I I thought about it for a while, and I thought, you know, I maybe I would want to go, you know, get re, get back into the church and then leave quietly because I was I was kind of done, but there was this like energetic thing out there, right? Hmm. Um, and so I went to my bishop and I w- I told him what I was doing and you know the work I was doing and how I was being, you know, my life, and he actually said, you know, I think the church could use someone like you. I but I have to talk to the general authorities. I'll get back with you. I would love for you to come back. And then I never heard from him again. So that. Didn't, that wasn't ever going to happen, and that was that was it for me right there. Well, because I'm interested to hear more of your your background. I, I think a convert to the church looks at the church a lot different so than a differently. lifelong member. Yeah. And it's interesting because Margaret and Janice are lifelong members of the church. Paul, on the other hand, not, yeah. is still a believer. I know, but, and a convert. And and uh, yeah. and I, so you said you have Italian ancestry. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's why you get along so well with well, Paul. Well, we. I mean, we. Yeah, I think maybe, but I just you know I I adore the all of the Margaret, Paul, Janice. We just but Paul is he's got that Italian humor and yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's really great. I love Paul too. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Lynn Whitesides, the first of the September 6. In our next conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about how she felt at BYU. My my second year at BYU, 
they, I got called in and they said, we think another university might be better for you. I think it may have been because I was hitchhiking to church and I was wearing, it was just, I, it wasn't a match. It just wasn't a match. And I, I realized it wasn't. So, If you'd like to hear the entire interview uncut, subscribe on either Patreon or at GospelTangents.com. For just $5 a month, you can hear the entire audio uninterrupted. On our $10 tier, if you'd like to see the whole video, you can see that uh, either on youtube.com slash gospel tangents, or I've got a special Facebook group devoted for uh, full videos. So subscribe at gospeltangents.com and uh, sign up for just $10 a month. For $20 a month, if you'd like to get some bonus content, uh, maybe some of the stuff that ended up on the cutting room floor, you can sign up for that. And then if you'd like to talk to me for $100 a month, we'll, we'll do a monthly phone call on something like Zoom, and you can ask me anything you want. So thanks again. Also, don't forget about the merch, mugs, T-shirts, um, hats, things like that. I'm trying to get the ties up there. Hopefully I can get up, up there. And uh, thanks again for watching Gospel Tangents. And click here for some more videos. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.